1: You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or
2: on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local
1: sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. And let's keep the Fighting Hours football conversation going with a Las Vegas angle as we welcome back to the program diehard Notre Dame fan Tim Murray, the host of VEASAN's primetime show. You can get VEASAN at YouTube TV and also an audio presentation of their shows at VEASAN.com. Tim, good to be with you. How are you today?
2: I'm great, Dan. Uh, you know, coming off of uh, a week where we talked about it last week, I was uh, I was pretty nervous heading into that NC NC State game. So uh, relieved with the performance, especially with the wackiness of uh, of the delays, and ready for uh, ready for a tune up for the big boy in about a week and a half.
1: <laughs> All right, so help me. I'm getting different responses from Irish fans. Some are very pleased. Hey, win this game, just beat NC State hey, they won by 21, I'm happy. But then there are some people that are nitpicking away, well, the offensive line or the pass rush or Jaden Thomas didn't have a catch. How do you sum up what you saw on Saturday and do you feel good about the progress of this team? Yeah, I mean, I think it's
2: fair as a fan to be a bit critical of of the offensive line, which is expected to be one of the best in the country. And I know that the wide receiver position doesn't seem to have a true alpha. But, you know, for me, as someone who stares at the market and understands how professional bettors look to bet, I was terrified of that game. And, you know, I've made my betting, I don't want to say career, because it's not my career, but, you know, what I usually bet on are those spots. That spot going down to NC State on the road where you've looked pristine in the first two games and you come out and you're 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 shown with some turbulence. And I as a Notre Dame fan, that second half was was incredible to me, you know, and I thought the biggest takeaway for me was that Jared Parker I thought called a really, really good game. Mm-hmm. You know, I I thought I thought that third down, that failed third down and two where they tried to just bully the ball up the middle with that kind of wing tee look, and I kind of threw my hands up in the air. I'm like, what are they doing here? And then they come out again in that and they throw it out to Sherwood and they're utilizing the tight end and they're recognizing the blitzes that are coming from Tony Gibson. And, you know, I think people need to take a step back and recognize that while Brendan Armstrong, I think is probably a bit overrated. I thought the defense contained him incredibly well, but overall to put up 45 points on Tony Gibson's defense is where you have to come away and say, you feel pretty good. You know, this Notre Dame team had a bunch of three and outs, which I'm sure Notre Dame fans aren't thrilled about. But, you know, all in all, to go on the road against a, you know, what will be probably a 7-8 win ACC team in NC State to win by three touchdowns in their house with the clunkiness of the delay, I think the positives massively outweigh the negatives, in my opinion.
1: Tim, you had to like the fact that Al Golden, knowing that that front four probably was not going to get enough pressure. Armstrong, he was not afraid to bring pressure early and often in that ball game.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. And, I mean, the linebackers, and I know that's always been a, a talking point with the Notre Dame fans, and I'm guilty of it at times, too, when you think about sometimes the lack of athleticism. But those dudes are just smart as it comes. And Maris Leofow, it feels like, to me, Maris Leofal is hitting his stride right now. He is flying all over the field. You know, it helps that he has the hair to, to kind of <laughs> point him out, like, oh, there's Maris Leofal. But, man, that is a, a linebacker that I am pretty happy is on, on my side because he seems to be flying around, hitting hard. And that was one thing I love too, is, you know, the really good Notre Dame teams, the the 15, the, the 17, the, the, those teams in the late – uh, they were really physical, right? And, and they could impose their will. And I really felt like they were putting an extra lick on Brendan Armstrong. They were hitting him hard, not illegally, but, hey, if you're going to be a runner, we're going to make you feel it. And that's what I really enjoyed to see. So, you know, look, it's all building up, as we all know, to the big game on September 23rd against Ohio State when Caleb Williams comes to town in mid-October, the trip down to... Uh, Duke, which I think will be interesting with Riley Leonard becoming, you know, a really quality quarterback and probably a first round pick on uh, the NFL draft. So the challenges are still out there, but to answer this first test and, you know, to, for Al Golden, year two of this pretty complicated system, knowing that their strength isn't coming off the edge, they don't have an Isaiah Foskey, but to throw some exotic blitzes out there. and And let's take a step back, you know, what is the strength of this Notre Dame team defensively? It's the cornerbacks. And because you've got corners, you can throw these exotic blitzes out there and and allow a Morrison and a Hart and, you know, these other pieces to be on an island. And, I mean, the the Morrison interception was just an absolute thing of beauty. I mean, he didn't even look at the receiver. He's just watching the ball the entire time. And, you know, when you see a player like Benjamin Morrison have – what was it, six interceptions last year, you wonder, okay, is there going to be regression a little bit? And I'm not saying he's going to hit six picks this year, but he looks better than he was last year. I mean, he's around the ball every time it's thrown to his side.
1: Tim Murray, host of Eason's Primetime Show, which you can catch weekdays at 6 Eastern time, joining me here on WSBT Radio. So I'm going to jump ahead. Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Ohio State. There is a perception, Tim, you've heard it, Notre Dame's looking really good. Ohio State doesn't look like, quote unquote, Ohio State so far this year. With the way these two teams have played so far this year, what has that done to the futures line of this Notre Dame Ohio State game?
2: Yeah, this is pretty surprising to me because I still thought it would be in that around a touchdown range. So little, uh, a little perspective. Over the summer, there were game of the year lines, and we talked about it on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, back in August, it was around seven and a half, eight for Ohio State. And uh, now we'll see new lines emerge on Sunday, and obviously a lot can happen. But there's one book, DraftKings, has a lineup right now, and it's only two and a half, wow. which is quite the adjustment, and which is telling you something about this Notre Dame team and. You know, one odds maker that I talked to on a pretty regular basis, uh, Chris Andrews from the South Point, came on my podcast before the season started and said, hey, look, I'm two. I'm high on two teams this year, higher than the sharp betters, higher than the perceived public. And it was Florida State, which has proved right so far with their performance against LSU and Notre Dame. Hmm. And now he didn't have Notre Dame a favorite against Ohio State, but he had it marked at a at under a touchdown and it got bet up and you know as an odds maker you know you have to move with where the respected money is going and uh, it's interesting to note now that Notre Dame is now down to a two and a half point favorite we'll see what that market opens up on Sunday my hunch is probably a little bit above a field goal um, but you know we'll see but as you mentioned you know Ohio State's offense has not looked fine-tuned this yet maybe the uh, announcement that Kyle McCord is the guy moving forward and there's no more controversy maybe that's beneficial for Kyle McCord but you know we will see I mean there's there's almost no doubt walking into this game that Notre Dame has the better quarterback which is which is pretty rare in 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 recent years when Notre Dame's going up against a, a big time foe.
1: I'm wondering Tim just based on the public, and how they use perception at times to bet on these games. Notre Dame has not fared well in these big, big, big matchups like they would have against Ohio State. I just wonder if a lot of the public, they're going to see Ohio State only two and a half against Notre Dame, who never wins this type of game. I have a feeling the public might just use that perception a little too much.
2: No, you're right. And, you know, a wise man once told me uh, that – If the line is two and a half, the dog is probably the right side. And if the line is three and a half, the favorite is probably the right side. Now, that's not gospel. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying never bet uh, dogs who are three and a half. But the the thought process behind that saying is that if it's two and a half, it's going to get bet up to three. If it kind of stands there, then it's kind of telling you something. And I'll say that often. The line is telling you a story. I'm not going to say that just yet. Next Thursday, when we meet and chat uh, about this game, we can see where the line has moved a little bit uh, because right now you're still a week out. The limits are going to be low. Uh, you know, once the games are over, that's when the limits will start to get a little bit higher. That's going to start to see the respected money come in. But, yeah, it is uh, – to your to your original question about the, the perception from the public, sometimes they can't help themselves when it's sitting there <laughs> at two and a half, and they think it's, you know. I'll give you an example in the NFL, um, and you know, before I toot my horn, just a reminder uh, we all we all have bad picks, and, and yep. last week in the college front was not my uh, my best my best day. But Cleveland against Cincinnati last week opened two and a half, and it was just begging you mm-hmm. to take Cincinnati. The public was all over Cincinnati that line moved towards Cleveland closed around a pick and then Cleveland goes out and beats them by three touchdowns. So, you know, that, those are the kind of games where you hear the old saying, you know, sharps versus squares pros versus Joe's. So sometimes there's a line out there just kind of begging you to take it and you should try to go against your intuition. So once again, we'll see what the Notre Dame Ohio state line is come next week and and what type of movement it has and, and how it's shaped in the market. But uh, I was pretty surprised to see it at two and a half and and pleasantly surprised certainly to see it down at two and a half.
1: Well, Notre Dame Central Michigan does not bring as much excitement, but Tim, the Irish are favored by 34 and a half at home against Central Michigan, who needed a last second field goal to take down FCS New Hampshire. That's George O'Leary's Phantom School, 45 to 42. So the lines 34 and a half Irish. The over/under is 51 and a half. What stands out about those lines?
2: I'll tell you this: I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch Notre Dame with, uh, with my worst enemy's money. Um, now, not to say that they couldn't cover it, but this is the ultimate sandwich spot. Look ahead to Ohio State. Notre Dame's going to want to get out of this game unscathed, do what they have to do. Now, Sam Hartman has allowed this Notre Dame team to this point to seem to avoid those kind of perceived letdown spots, right? Tennessee State, they came out for the most part and looked pretty buttoned up, especially offensively. Now they had a couple fortunate you know, things go their way with a blocked field goal and whatnot. But I think this spot for Central Michigan, as you alluded to, coming off of a game where – they were life and death against FCS New Hampshire, who, by the way, is a you know a respectable FCS program. I think top fifteen, top ten in the country, in the FCS ranks. Um, you know, you've got Jim McElwain, who is a, has been a big time coach once upon a time. They have an athletic quarterback, and Bert Emanuel Jr., who I could see kind of making a couple uh, big runs. I mean, th- just this is that classic letdown, look, look ahead type of situation. So. You know, if anything, I would look towards the chips here because, you know, let's be honest here. And if Notre Dame is up 28 or 24 in the third quarter, you want to get Sam Hartman out of there, man. You don't want to risk any type of uh, concern going into that Ohio State game. So we'll see. Hopefully it's a, a workmanlike effort uh, for the Irish. They put up a couple touchdowns in that first half and, and we can have Sam Hartman uh, sitting out. Uh, in the second half, but uh, I, I think the back door is absolutely going to be open because I think as 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 buttoned up as this team has been so far, and they're three and zero against the spread, covered a forty nine point spread two weeks ago against Tennessee State. I just think this could be the spot where maybe it's a little sloppy, and you know, it's just it's human nature to know that I think the biggest game in that stadium in eighteen years is going to happen next weekend for these guys to. To be like all right let's get these guys out of the way and and let's just uh let's move on to Ohio State.
1: He is Tim Murray from Visa my guest on WSBT Radio. Tim I always think week two of the NFL season is fascinating from the standpoint there are oftentimes too many overreactions to what we saw in week one and I jotted down a couple of lines for this week and I want you to kind of Maybe build on my thoughts and and comment, but Seattle coming off a bad loss at home to the Rams. They're getting five and a half at Detroit. The Lions beat the Chiefs, but you could argue, well, they only scored 14 points on offense against a Chiefs defense that is susceptible. The Bears got thumped at home by Green Bay. Tampa Bay surprised Minnesota. All of a sudden, the Bears are getting two and a half at Tampa Bay. And you just talked about Cleveland. Pittsburgh got thumped at home by the Niners. Cleveland is giving up two at Pittsburgh. Is the Are those lines great examples of overreactions from week one?
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think Pittsburgh's a, a really good angle that you look at. You know, Cleveland was in that – great spot as a home division underdog and anyone who's followed the AFC North, it's just a war every time those teams, you know, go on the field against each other. Pittsburgh looked absolutely horrendous against San Francisco and San Francisco, while they got some bad pub, uh, you know, the week leading up to that game with everything that was going on at the quarterback situation and the Bosa situation, ultimately they are, arguably the best team in the NFC. I've talked to some odds makers that say that they have them as their highest power rated team in the AF and the NFC. So, um, yeah, I think Pittsburgh's a, a primo spot. If you look at, you know, a line, you know, just uh, a week ago on September 5th, uh, Pittsburgh was the favorite and now that line has moved three and a half points. So, uh, it's no key numbers there. Um, You know, Chicago, Tampa Bay, that's really interesting because Tampa Bay was thought to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. I mean, on September 10th, I'm looking at it, uh, or uh, September 5th, excuse me, Tampa was an underdog, and now they're a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, You know, Chicago certainly didn't look the part because they got, you know, bulldozed by Green Bay. And then, you know, a game that actually intrigues me quite a bit, and uh, I think, you know, it's another one of those situations where two-and-a-half look the dog, three and a half, look the favorite, you know, Denver loses to the Raiders, uh, your Denver Broncos, Darren. And now they're taking on Washington who uh, they didn't look great, uh, but ultimately got the win against Arizona. And now Washington has got to go on the road to Denver. I don't say desperation, but you know, this is kind of a, a, buy low spot in my opinion on a team like Denver at home laying three and a half here against Washington. And I think the public is going to think, oh, Denver, here we go again, five and 12 <laughs> just like last year. And I, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, so I think, I think Denver's the right side on, on Sunday afternoon at home against Washington.
1: Tim, I still have nightmares of Timmy Smith on the counter tray in <laughs> Super Bowl twenty two. I mean, George Rogers was supposed to be the guy in this. Who the heck is Timmy Smith goes for, what, 200 rushing yards up 10 nothing we lose 42 10 that was just a a glorious day in my life i still have nightmares about it
2: i still have uh memories of uh of that videotape the vhs with (laughs) videotape and the uh the legendary frank herzog whose uh whose call was touchdown washington Washington redskins Redskins. (laughs) so uh, i still have uh, those calls uh in my head from uh, from really the last time of glory uh, for that franchise. You know, since that Super Bowl win in January of 92, this is a franchise that has not won 11 games wow. in a season. Only team in the NFL who can say that.
1: Wow. I remember the Super Bowl video for that game. They had – Hailed to the Redskins playing underneath your announcer saying, touchdown, Washington Redskins, about 62 times in a row. Yeah, it was glorious.
2: <laughs> Fantastic.
1: But you know what? Losing three Super Bowls in four years and you get thumped, when you finally win, it's pretty doggone cool. So I hope someday the Bills fans have that opportunity. They kind of deserve it.
2: Well, forget the Bills fans. This is this is South Bend. How about we get I, Notre Dame fans, all right? I how mean, about that? The last time Notre Dame won a title, I was uh, – I was still in diapers, so if we could uh, if we could get back to that promised land, uh, you know, I've got Bill's friends. Uh, my wife's a Bills fan, but okay. uh, more
1: importantly, well, let's get the gold helmets uh, to to the promised land one of these days. <laughs> Amen. And I understand you're going to be here next week. I will be there. Yeah, we're doing
2: uh, we're doing Chicago on Friday, a little Cubs game, and then uh, I'll be uh, headed to South Bend. I think my first game on campus and i want to say nine or ten years i usually do a road game last year was las vegas two years ago chicago for for wisconsin and uh and notre dame so uh back on campus looking forward to it and uh it's gonna be i mean we'll talk about it next week obviously but the scene i can only imagine and the feel the vibes i mean i was I, i didn't go to notre dame um but i was on campus in 2005 uh, for that Notre Dame-USC game, I was on campus for, you know, the Manti-Lake game against Michigan in, in 2012. I, I feel like this game is going to rival uh, really any game that we've seen in, in the past handful of decades at Notre Dame Stadium.
1: Hey, Tim, no doubt the biggest miss by John McLeod was not recruiting you to play hoops here. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I've seen uh, the pictures. I mean, uh, yeah, so if they could have figured out—well, actually, it was a Bray. I would, I would. Have played oh, you Bray? Bray? Okay. So I mean, Bray's a DC guy. I mean, he couldn't oh. have figured out a way to—I mean, Bray's from my hometown. I'm from Rockville, Maryland. We couldn't have got Coach Bray to, you know, hey, we could have paid the way. You know, I could have, I could have been a, a towel <laughs> waver on the back end of the bench, but uh, you know, it wasn't—it wasn't meant to be. So uh, now I just uh, utilize the fandom, and uh, you know, I. I wouldn't have been a record holder at, uh, at Notre Dame like I am at my alma mater, where I set the record for worst free throw percentage in that season.
1: <laughs> well, Tim, I tell you what, I hope you have a good weekend this weekend to pay for that ticket and the trip to South Bend. That would be absolutely <laughs> perfect. So good luck this weekend.
2: I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week.
1: All right, Tim, thank you much. Be well. That is Tim Murray, the host of VEASAN's primetime show, airing tonight at 6 o'clock Eastern time. We'll step aside for a moment. More Irish talk next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.